This is Let's Talk Drive, the official Let's Go Drive podcast, episode 109. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we have Baseball Perfectus' 2019 annual guide to the baseball season. We'll look over some Indian stuff in that. Spring training games are underway. We'll maybe talk about some things in those. The Indians signed Hanley Ramirez, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I mean, the, the Indians signed Hanley Ramirez. Why wouldn't I be excited? Come on. But Merritt, he's old. He must be bad. There's no possible way. You know what? You're old. You must be bad. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> Although I guess if I was a baseball player, I'd be a year away from being completely unsignable because I'm 29. So this is really my last chance to get signed. I'm 32, so I am utterly unsignable and useless. <laughs> there is no I'm... long-term deal in your future, Merritt. I will not get a free agent contract of any kind. But you know what? You would have if the Players Association cared about you when you were a budding prospect at 22, but they didn't. So. Actually, I take that back. I'm left-handed, so I will work until I'm dead, basically. So never mind. <laughs> I'm fine. You guys can suffer all I'm you want. I'll get, I'll get $3 million deals every every year. It's perfect. <laughs> See, that, that's why I haven't signed yet, because I'm almost 29. That's why. Yeah, that's, that must be why. It's... Not because of your the amazing drop-off in impact <laughs> ability, your contact rates to cratered. I haven't taken a walk in two years. Listen, Merritt, I have never league, struck sorry. out in the major league, so I am ready. Well, you to know take, what? We don't care league. about strikeouts anymore, Matt. <laughs> when you're making weak contact back to the pitcher every time, but it's contact rates to 104% somehow. All he ever does is bunt. Like the exact opposite of Yandy Diaz, who, by the way, is hitting balls straight up in the air with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's fine. Whatever. He's just pulling balls. I mean, granted, they're, they're BP, but I've never seen him hit balls in the air before, so it was remarkable. It's oh, fine. It's, it's going to be fine, Mary. He's going to be bad in Tampa Bay. He's definitely not going to hit scorching 100-mile-per-hour home runs all season long. Oh, God. What if he just <laughs> hit, like, 380 with, and he has, like, 67 home runs? It's fine. It's great. Is that the greatest? Would that be the greatest failure in Indians' history of, of Ooh, talent, uh, whatever? Oh, I mean, if it's judgment. Well, I mean, if we exaggerate a little less, maybe that's clearly the biggest failure. <laughs> <laughs> if Yadi Diaz is the greatest player in baseball, <laughs> did the Indians mess up a little bit? Yeah, I think they did. I mean, in fairness, that wouldn't even be as good as like Barry Bonds' is 2001. <laughs> that's right. To be fair, he's not exactly Barry Bonds. If he has 85% of Barry Bonds' 2001 season, <laughs> or 2004, is that the greatest failure in Indians history? <laughs> I do wonder, though, like, what are the other big failures they've had? I guess Jesus Aguilar kind of counts, but I can't think of any that stick out as, like, just really blowing it. So if Yandy Diaz is pretty damn good, they really screwed up. I guess it just depends on how good Jake Bowers is, but... I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I'm... If he does, if, if he turns it around, and we get really pissed off at the entire Indian's developmental system. After reading that, that Bauer article, and then there was another thing that pissed me off uh, this week, too. I can't remember what it was, though. I think there's just general inability to create a good outfielder, maybe. But, like, they just ignore things. I don't know. This is supposed to be a forward-thinking team, and yet somehow their aspects of it are trapped in not forward-thinkingness, and that's bad news, anyway. Well, I think, to be fair, Bauer and I think even Clevenger before and Kyle Boddy have all said that the Indians are really like one of the more receptive right. teams to this analytical stuff. Right. I just think teams are so far behind that there's still stuff. Well, not, maybe they're not behind, but I mean, there's still stuff that looks obvious to other people that maybe they're not quite, I don't know. Doing? Doing. Yeah. But there, I think there are some teams that are just way behind, but the Indians are one of the closest to the front. That's why I didn't take the Clevenger and Bauer. I think the one you're talking about specifically is like how Clever Bauer basically fixed Clevenger without the coaches, and then yeah. uh, Tito didn't believe he was, his velocity was up. It was just the gun that was broken. 
I think that was more lighthearted than people took it as. No, especially the gun thing. Yeah, I think that was way more. I think that was more just that sounded like something Frank Hunter just says in his normal joking tone. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was more things like like what, what like when Cody Allen just wouldn't listen to him. Yeah, I don't know. Or or I read that that's what it was. I read that article on Fangraphs this past week about how Josh Josh Tomlin went to driveline baseball this winter to to learn like to relearn how to pitch. And in my head, I'm just like, why do they after they leave? Do they go and make these big changes and <laughs> stuff? Like, what if he comes back and is just I don't know, not great, but like turns into Jamie Moyer or something. I don't know. Like, maybe before this season, he figured he was good enough to to be what he was, and then when he had a total disaster, he wanted to go somewhere else and improve. It just kind of sucks. It was his last year, then he's gone to do it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I guess we do have this idea that these that all players want to get better and better and be the best that they can be, but not everyone has that Michael Jordan kind of sensibility. Some of them just are. Hey, I'm a major leaguer. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm okay. I, I could work work real hard, hit 325 with 35 home runs, but I can hit 280 with 20 home runs and you know play for the next 15 years. So yeah, and then like the Cody Allen thing that was that was kind of weird. But I, I get that. I guess that. I mean, obviously he was exaggerating. He said he could fix his curveball in two days. You know, I don't think he could do that. Maybe but he could. Who's to say? But just imagine being Cody Allen, and then you're like, you know what you're doing. You're pretty decent closer. And Trevor Bauer's like, hey, 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 do this thing, hey. He did the yeah, same. but I mean, you're being, for, you, but if you're shit for like an entire season, <laughs> then maybe try something new. I agree with I you. Just, I'm just saying, try something. Me. You know, like Jason Giambi wore leopard print thongs. He grew a weird mustache. <laughs> he probably also did on the field things too. But he tried things whenever he was slipping. <laughs> whatever you got to do, whatsoever. You know, you just, wear a you chicken gotta, suit. Gotta, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mary, we got these big old books. Yo, there's a hardcover version of this book apparently, and I didn't know about it until today when uh, one of the one, one of the editors showed it off on Twitter. I'm like, what the? F- Nobody buys it. Even like the people one. that show off their shelves, it's always the soft. The I was gonna say soft cover. Why am I blanking on the word there? The uh, paperback version that yeah. everybody has. Nobody buys the hardcover of Baseball Prospectus. But I anymore. want it. Why? That, that'd be know. a brick. That'd be huge. Do I still have how many copies of this? Do I have now? I think just three. You can tell when I started making a living wage because I started buying the baseball prospectus <laughs> annual. <laughs> well, see, I started in 2016 because that was the one where I was in the acknowledgments, and I'm still coming oh, really? down off that high. So yeah, that's fun. No, that I also that's the first one I bought because that's when I started making enough money to survive. So more than enough money to just survive. <laughs> that's, so, that should be the the line where you know where you're good if you're buying annuals every year. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so what did you see in this this year? I assume you at least read the Indians part so far, if not the whole thing. Uh, I've read I did. Uh, I also and... enjoyed reading some of the Royals ones because reading about bad teams is always a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the essay by Emma Bacliari of uh, I probably Sports Illustrated. that name. Sports no, Illustrated. I think you're right. Oh, I, I enjoyed the essay. Um, I don't know. I mean, it kind of bolstered things I already knew about the team. I, I reminded me that I keep on mixing up Will Benson and Nolan Jones constantly in my head. I don't know why I do that, but Nolan Jones is the one with the great bat who may be a borderline star, whereas Will Benson is the one who hits the ball real hard and can't make contact worth a damn. Oh, but my, my biggest takeaway, though, from reading all the Indians, different Indians blurbs was, why is Matt so enamored of Oscar Mercado? <laughs> because I looked at his numbers and went, eh, I don't know about that one, bud. He's so I fast. Meredith's fast. <laughs> I mean, speed is nice. And he's but, really you know, good defensive. And oh boy, yeah, I'm looking at it now. He, he um, maybe he can't hit, but you know what? Ooh, that's bad. 
Listen, I guess I was reminded. Man. I guess more than anything, I was reminded that um, when you pay such as close attention to a single team as I do with the Indians, this really doesn't reveal anything to me at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice to have an outside take on things. But like their Lindor one wasn't quite as loving as last year's was. Was that last year's? I think it was last year's, uh, where it was it was borderline uh, poetic about it. The thing that they they, they did basically quote um, a book called Darkness at Noon. Is that what it's called? If you read the yes, Darkness at Noon. If you read the blurb underneath Neil Ramirez, which obviously you did not, it is a. <laughs> Near word-for-word quote from a book called Darkness at Noon, uh, published by British novelist Arthur Kostler. Uh It's a tale of Rubashov, an old Bolshevik who was arrested in prison and tried for treason against the government that he helped create and is rated as one of the greatest uh, English-language novels of the 20th century. Well, there you go. Because these nerds at Baseball Perspectives read books. <laughs> Not me. I only read the Baseball Perspectives Annual and then also the... Various books about Dungeons and Dragons. Not a nerd thing. But like you said, like it's not a ton of illuminating things. Even Emma's um, essay, which was really, really well written and everything, but it was all like stuff we already know. I, I wonder if like people who don't read about the Indians, like, oh really? They're gonna they're in a division and they're in a bad division and they can just win it like that. I wonder if that's like new things to everybody else. Which well, I guess no, is what I... you have to write it for, because if you can't really write it for Indians fans, because if they follow close enough, like we do, I guess you don't write it for people who follow close enough as we do, but like just regular Indians fans, it's, it's a tough balance to follow because it's, it's fans yeah. who care enough to care about the sabermetric stuff, but not the ones who follow it too closely and already know like most ins and outs of teams. And it's, I don't know, it's the essay is, is not so much just a thing everyone already knows, but it's a confirmation of, you know, what we all kind of worried and suspected and saw happen all this winter that the Indians is front office, not more so than the, the players don't really care about winning a world series per se. They care about making the playoffs because I mean, as, as um, Billy Bean said, my shit doesn't work in the playoffs. And that's very true. I mean, that, that said, of course, we saw who played in the world series this year. It's two of the highest, the, the two highest spending teams in baseball and spending money does help you get there, I guess is what I'm saying. It would be nice if they spent a little more money. I don't know if it's completely fair to say they don't care about winning the World Series. I think caring about getting into the playoffs is like the extent that you really need to care about winning the World Series. Like if you really can know. get there over year over year, then you've got a pretty good shot it at just, doing it eventually, I think. It's and I have talked about this several different times, but it's just their lack of willingness to, to trade out of the the uh the starting rotation is I guess what frustrates me the most. So th- this seems a little bit I don't know, short sighted in a way. Windows do exist for teams of the Indians' wealth, and so it would be nice if they could just take advantage of it. Because they're going to be bad in three or four years or whatever, you know? They're, they're not going to be as good, and other teams are going to be better, so. Are they going to be bad? I think their goal is to not be bad in that time, right? Because that's like I, all I they've... Because they refuse to trade Shane Bieber, from what we know, like for, for a half season of Bryce Harper. So I really think their goal is to keep being good enough to win the division. Like, for as long as possible and give yourself a shot. That's yeah, the way I see it, anyway. I guess, but I mean, eventually one of those teams is going to come back around. Like, it's not going to be such a cakewalk anymore. And, like, you can't just do that on the strength of a rotation and two bats. Not when the, the other team is capable of winning 90 games. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I do I do just wish there was more competition. I think we talked about that before, but... 
That'd be so much better. <laughs> just one team. Just one team make them try a no, little I mean, bit. I, I agree, but I mean, it, it, and, and hey, maybe it would force the Indians to actually try something, but it's, I don't know. It's it's just a little frustrating, is all. Now, Merritt, in this here baseball prospectus. Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> what? Bobby Bradley Cubs. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> don't look at it yet. <laughs> no, no, the best part is, so in this here baseball prospectus, they give you comps after every player. It's one of my favorite things to go through. Even before I read, I just rapidly go down and look at them. So Bobby Bradley, you know, the power hitting first base prospect who seems like he lost some of his luster last year just because of how much he strikes out. But he's only 23 in AAA. So, I mean, give the guy a break. But his comps are, as you said, Ryan O'Hearn, mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt, best first baseman in baseball, Jerry Sands. <laughs> They're literally saying he could be anybody in baseball. How do you that, get that, Paul that... Goldschmidt and Jerry Sands in the same comps? <laughs> And Ryan O'Hearn. Don't <laughs> sleep on him. I'm a big fan of his. Who the hell is Ryan O'Hearn? He's the first baseman for the uh, for the uh, Royals. I saw him play in single-A Lexington a ton. He does I mean, not he, exist. I love him. He is not a real person. He does. He's, he's probably going to be a platoon bat. But he's, he's anywhere from useless <laughs> to best player ever or in, in baseball to a position to platoon bat. So it's one of those three. I, just I mean, they're all that, like that, That can too. happen. That with these projections, like you can be Jerry Sands, who was really good for a week, or Paul Goldschmidt, who's the best. I mean, any, anywhere from Brett Gardner to Trevor Crow, it's a pretty good range for Greg Allen. So, obviously, nobody knows anything. And that's Greg. That would be Brett Gardner at age 26. So, he wasn't even all that good then, but still. Yeah, I guess these comparables aren't technically like projections of who they'll be. It's just who they were no, at this it's, level. No, it's, it's comparable to who they are to other players were at that age. Let me live this dream, Aaron, okay? I want to believe that... <laughs> Okay, I guess it is kind of remarkable that Jerry Sands and Paul Goldschmidt were the same player, basically. Uh, I'm saying, well, hey, Oscar Mercado gives you Charlie Blackman, so your dream stays See? alive. There you go. And, and Jordan Luplo gives you Matt Laporta, so there you go. Well, we need to talk about Luplo real quick, because today I learned that it's actually Luplo, and my okay. life has never been the same. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep on saying this one. <laughs> no, you're wrong. It's definitely Luplo, I'm which okay is god-awful. Luplo is a good name. I like That's a good baseball name. Luplo... That's a name for a serial character, like a sounds like a sounds like a soup sounds like a loophole. <laughs> also, no, it sounds like a, like on the box of a cereal. It's the Luplo man. He brings you Cheerios. <laughs> Apparently, today was National Chowder Day, and I thought about making clam chowder, but it takes a lot of effort, and I didn't have any of it to put in. So, no just... chowder for merit. So, another thing I noticed um, in this that Baseball Prospectus really, really likes Roberto Perez, like a whole lot, merit. As in, he's well, who doesn't the be- the best defensive catcher by a long shot, by fielding runs above average, and then he's like one of the best overall catchers. He has three point two um, wins above replacement player warp, which is their war thing basically. But but they they expect him to be one of the best catchers almost purely on defense because his bat is almost nothing. But he's his framing and just defense is so good. He's projected it's like a whole it's two wins over Jan Gomes projection. So I think maybe the Indians front office knew what they were doing with Jan Gomes. Um, well, I mean, if Dakota's to be believed, sure. But, I mean, that's the thing about, about catching is we don't know anything still about it. That is one of the the great frontiers of, of baseball judgment, even still, is knowing the actual impact of of a great catcher in all the different ways that they do things. You know, I mean, even things that people think are, you know, kind of poo-poo, like calling games and things like that. Like, that's we, we, we can kind of quantify framing and blocking and throwing, but... Even within that, like we can't quantify 
knowing what pitch to call or being able to calm down a, a you know a, a pitcher or you know someone like Doug Mirabelli being able to catch a knuckleball. These are these are just I don't know when you're involved in literally every single play of the game, even more so than any pitcher. You have a greater impact than I think anyone on the field. So this is just a, a demonstration of that, and I agree with you that I think the the Indians know what they have in Roberto Perez. I think that they got him for a steal. Like that kind of, he signed the contract, what, a couple of years ago now? And it seemed like kind of a lot of money. He's still going to hit, you know, like shit. Um, I'm amazed that they projected him to nine home runs. Yeah, I think when you say we don't know defense, uh, you're talking about us on the outside, right? Yeah. Because I think well, we're no, to the I, point where teams know it pretty well. Like, I, 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 Well, that's the thing. I think they do to a degree, but even with all that, you know, like, like it's – I think there's there's good approximations, but it, it but even within all, with all that, I I don't think that even a lot of teams have a firm grasp on what makes a great catcher. Like framing was a big thing five years ago, but the you know the the the, the margins have narrowed on that. So everyone has a good framing catcher now at this point. Um, it's just I think uh, Perez has the whole package: framing, blocking, throwing. Uh, he just has every. He's he's a perfect catcher that can't hit at all. It's so the other thing with the Roberto Perez, Jan Gomes thing is like the way the Indians traded Jan Gomes is kind of impressive. <laughs> like he was a fan favorite player. Uh, maybe not to like people who like really, really good players. But if you look on the Facebook pages of everywhere, like everybody loved Jan Gomes and by all accounts, trading him away for Daniel Johnson should have like caused an uproar. But the way they did just on December 1st, when it's kind of hung over from the baseball season, nothing else has really started. They just traded him real quickly for Daniel Johnson. And then by now, like nobody remembers. <laughs> He's just gone. It's not a huge deal. If they waited till now to trade him or not now, but like right before spring training started, there would have been people paying attention to baseball who were really angry at trading their favorite player, Jan Gomes. But the way they did it just in like the dead of night to trade away Jan Gomes, I thought was really a really smart way to do it because they got a guy who might be good than Daniel Johnson, but more importantly, they got rid of Jan Gomes' contract and let their guy Roberto Perez be the starting catcher now without the, the fan base trying to burn them down. Because maybe they could have got more if they waited it out a little longer and shopped him around, but they didn't let the linger the rumors linger. They just were going to trade him, traded him, and then moved on with the offseason. So I thought that was I, kind um, of a neat way to do it. I've been reminded three separate times I listened to DC Sports Talk Radio that they have Jan Gomes. I've actually even forgotten a couple of times. <laughs> like, oh shit, that's right, he's here. That's, <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like the way when they traded him, he just never felt like part of the team. Now it just felt normal that the 2019 Indians wouldn't have him because they did it so early. Well, yeah, and plus you know everyone was so wrapped up in which pitcher are they going to trade, and then the answer was none. And by then that was all over. They were like, wait, who'd they get rid of? Edwin and Yonder and. <laughs> And yeah, like whoa, they're all gone. And Yandy, all the Yans are gone. They all they did, didn't they? Yeah, they, <laughs> they traded the they whole Yans trail. <laughs> Maybe that's what was holding the Indians back. All <laughs> those guys were forming a cabal against everyone else because our names all sound the same. <laughs> Their Yans above average were too high. You got to lower that number a bit. You know, that, that, that's that's a it's a, one of those things. It's those marginal things you got to work on. You got to spread it out around the league. <laughs> so, Mary, any other stray observations here from the the baseball perspective this year? Yeah, I would say the one that the if, if anyone gets a chance, the essay about the Orioles is pretty good. I enjoyed that one too. So I can't wait to read the one, read the one about Offerman the Red. Write? I didn't find his essay yet in here. Who? Nick Who? Offerman. I assume the one about the the Cubs. 
Oh, he wrote the Cubs one. I don't want to read that. I'm assuming so. I mean, he's he's a, he's a Cubs fan, so I don't, I don't want to read that. Never mind. Um, yeah, because he's a Cubs fan, and someone else is a yeah. Nick Offerman wrote the uh, the one for the Cubs. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I saw he did that. I thought it'd be cool. So, um, all right. So the Indians are technically playing games now. I don't know if you knew. Um, they're really excited. boring. They don't mm-hmm. count. Nobody cares. <laughs> I really hate spring training games. I love it, man. You should go down to spring training sometimes. It'll, it'll remind you why you love baseball. Oh, no. Going to spring training is a completely different thing. I think I'd love to be there like for it. But watching on TV and knowing the games are happening, it has zero impact on how much I care about the return of baseball. I don't get to watch it either. That's what I'm pissed off about right now. They're not on TV yet. Or maybe they are. I <laughs> I mean, the first know. one was. Was it? Yeah. And then Tito had a nice quote about it. Was He was saying that like, Spring training is nice because in the the ninth inning you get someone with like Ernie Clement who gets a rocket up his ass and energizes yeah. everybody. <laughs> oh, that was kind of yeah. neat. But that's a good quote. But the rest of it's so boring, man. I don't care about Did the. I paid for MLB TV again by accident. Did I auto refresh? Oh, oh it shit. does. Don't it'll get you oh, money. No. Don't worry, man. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> you have paid. Whether you know it or not, well, that's good to know. <laughs> but yeah. So any any thoughts? I apparently didn't watch the first game, but. No, I mean, um, you know, you know, it's as with as I have it for so so many years. I just check the stats and just think to myself, "Ooh, we're good now," or "Ooh, he's bad now," you know, because it all matters and things like that. It's only been apparently, three games. People are already reacting to the bullpen being just got awful. Apparently, Jose Ramirez is in a slump, so that's bad news. Um, <laughs> he's in three sitting two hundred so far. Oh God, who's this Taylor character? Give up seven runs today. Yeah, Ben Taylor. He's he was going to be one of the the bull. I mean, he still could be. It's his first spring training game. Who cares? But yeah, well, Greg. So another good thing, if you want to swing the opposite direction and overlook or overanalyze good things, is that Greg Allen homered off a lefty, so he's clearly about to break out. And Tyler Naquin hit the first home run in spring. So there you go. Mm-hmm. The outfield. Oh, 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 I'm I'm all here for early spring training overreactions when the pitchers are still just like just throwing <laughs> just meatballs and just messing around and having a nice time. <laughs> I'm all in for that, man. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. Like, if I was there, I think it's different. That'd be fun. Because, like, the equivalent of when I used to like the the Pro Bowl. Because I, I do like seeing athletes just sort of, like, playing around and not being too serious in games. I think that's kind of fun, especially mm-hmm. when you're younger, to see, like, these superstars just interacting with each other and with fans and stuff. So, that's neat. But as someone who wants to care about baseball again, it doesn't do it for me at all. Not even the overreactions, Merritt. I can't even get excited for people calling for Ben Taylor's head already after one God awful two thirds of an inning. I think it's Tommy John surgery. Two thousand seven. That must be what it is. Okay, yeah, so he's sure. just coming back from Tommy John surgery. I'm okay yeah. with that. Then Maybe he'll be good. Yeah, I was always ex- I was excited for him when they got him. I don't know why, but I liked his curveball. So we well, yeah, remember no, everybody I laughing I... about Brandon Moss for Joey Weddle, Wendell, and now Wendell's kind of really good. And now yeah. <laughs> Rob Kaminsky, who was traded for Brandon Moss, is not very good. So I guess the Rays kind of had the last laugh on that. I mean, the A's should have, but then they traded Joey Wendell, so. Between having Barry Bonds Jr. and now this, it's ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, no, I have no takes. I mean, whatever, you know, it's early spring training. It's fun, it's back, and I like seeing the videos and stuff, but I just haven't had a chance to watch or anything like that. Yeah. There's nothing, that that is the one problem, is you you can check the stats all you want, but you you can draw no information from it. The the entirety of a spring training is, is process, you know, it's seeing how guys are reacting to this or see what they're working on. Like go, go there and just watch Ramirez trying to hit singles to the opposite field for an entire game. Cause that's what he feels like doing that day or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. 
Well, here's a take. I'm fine with it. I think Go that ahead. like spring training is like for people who like baseball, watching spring training is how people who don't like pe- baseball view regular games because there's no context. You're just watching some guy throw a ball and somebody you don't know hit a ball. <laughs> Yes. Like, so somebody yes. who never watches baseball, that's what they're seeing every day. So it's kind of understandable why maybe not everybody likes it. Because if you just watch it and don't get into the context, there is almost nothing to baseball. Yeah. Like when Dalbert Siri is pitching <laughs> to, who would he have pitched to? One inning, one third of an inning, bottom, I don't know, Jet Bandy or something, whoever he pitched to. <laughs> That that means nothing to me, right? I, that means nothing to somebody else watching, like Madison Bumgarner pits to Mike Trout. They know they don't know these people at all. It's just somebody throwing yeah. the ball and somebody hitting it, right? Yeah, that's why I've never well, bought sense. like um, Ken Burns baseball with with all those people talking about how romantic the game is and how beautiful like a painting it is or whatever. Like that's if you like baseball. If you don't like baseball, it doesn't. It's just dudes standing around swinging. So I get it when people don't like it, but. And I kind of understand it more watching spring training, but regular season baseball is still amazing. When you when you will appreciate the context and know it and want to see more of it. Well, I mean, spring training baseball is still great to me because I love minor. <laughs> well, you're wrong. It's so fine. Much. <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. You're the wrong one. Um. So um, the yes, oh, yes. Preston Beck. Yeah. So what's his name? Dalbert Siri pitching pitching to Preston Beck. These are names we'll never hear again. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I will hear Preston Beck. Don't you worry. He's going to listen to this podcast, and just because of you, he's going to like print out that Write word that says you will never hear this guy again with a picture <laughs> of your face and like put it inside of his locker. <laughs> he's going to spite you, Merritt. His Hall of Fame speech is going to start with "fuck you, Merritt." First of all, fuck Merritt Roth. <laughs> I'll be there for it. Uh, so the Indians did something fun. They signed Hanley Ramirez. It's that's fun in a. He's he's a he's just a big old goofball who who at one point people thought he just wouldn't play anymore that he was lazy or whatever but mm-hmm. last year he still hit the ball really hard um he he had a hard hard hit rate of forty six point five percent twenty sevens in Tops. baseball that's ahead of yeah. like Mike Trout and a bunch of other big names yeah but Mike Trout doesn't do anything superb he just does everything great remember that well I mean still when you're ahead of Mike Trout and something you got to at least count that for something no. <laughs> You're ahead of Mike Trout, and you're also 30 million years old. Wrong. He's 34. <laughs> He's only two years older than me, so shut up. He's not only 34. <laughs> yeah, he is. Henley Ramirez? He is 35 years old. There you go. You're wrong. <laughs> he just turned 35. It's weird how much older 35 looks than 34 when you're talking baseball. but It's true. 35? Um... Oh, God. <laughs> That's nearly dead. But either way, the dude hits the ball hard. He can still sort of spread it around. Um, on, on the athletic TJ Zuby looked into like why Hanley still hits the ball hard and didn't have good results last year. And it basically comes down to the fact that when he hits the ball hard, it's, so he is still spreading the ball around like overall, but his hardest hits are going straight up the middle and everything's going right on the ground. So he's basically turned into Yanni Diaz last year. So maybe if the Indians Ooh. thought they could fix Yanni Diaz, but didn't want to, and maybe they can apply the same thing to Hanley. I don't know, but maybe he can be a platoon player. Either way, it's just a minor league deal. He could be worth a million dollars. So, so what do you think of this getting the guy with the dreads and the fun and Stanley Ramirez? Yeah, man, I'm all for it. I mean, the, the offense is going to be dreadful anyway, so you might as well just roll the dice. I mean, this is one of the more classic Indian signings we see. We talked about this last week when they signed, I don't know, whatever the trash pile guy they got was for the, maybe Tyler Clippert or something like that. I don't know, they, 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 Matt they Joyce is the one you're thinking of, I think. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, probably Matt Joyce. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that sounds like him. <laughs> Matt Joyce is going to put that on his locker, put a picture of Merritt and then Hall of Fame speech. Some, some trash. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be in so many lockers. It's uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, it's cool. I mean, like you said, he hit, he's been hitting the ball real hard, just the wrong way. So maybe his bat's slowing down. Maybe he's just been unlucky. Who knows? Maybe he just needs some good coaching. And the Indians apparently will provide that. Maybe it's um, like Boston. I, I mean, have you been to Boston? That city sucks. Many times. I don't it's mind it old that and bad stuff? at all, actually. It's fine. No, it's old. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, I'm from New England. Everything there is old. So, I mean. <laughs> it's garbage. There's a barn down the street from my, my parents' house. It is from the 1600s. So, I mean, what is old? I don't even know. But I mean, it could be that. Maybe he's in like playing in Boston for some reason. Because it was like as soon as he went to Boston, his numbers all tanked. I don't know. I have always loved the idea of people play, going to places like Cleveland or Kansas City or, you know, any of the kind of hinterland, you know, the, the, the small marketplace where they're like, it's so much more relaxing here. This is my retirement community. I'm just going to hang out here, <laughs> play some baseball with the boys, have a good time, you know. Uh, no pressure, man. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a it's a billion dollar organization, but no pressure, man. We're just hanging out, having a good time. <laughs> Let's just pick this microphone and steal it from Andre Knott and... Make hats you know, out yeah, of cups. Yeah. What do you mean you're trying to run a professional broadcast here? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. It's fun. It's weird Let's seeing that. seeds but... at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's because the media is just more relaxed than like being in Boston or New York where it's just constant. And... Well, there's less of it too is, is right. the thing that I've always heard. Like They talk about the, the media being like just hounding. And it's only because there's, you know, New York's got what, like five newspapers even still. And then all those radio stations and whatnot. Boston's got similar thing like i think the globe alone probably has three baseball three like red sox writers not even including dan shaughnessy so you have his i don't want to say anything mean about dan shaughnessy never mind <laughs> uh but yeah it's just you have guys just wandering around just trying to find stories just hounding you for stuff and then writing hot takes on it so and then Bill Simmons sitting uh, over at the ringer just making shit up too <laughs> i think it was on a to z podcast they talked about like the difference in a media between like a large market and a small market and like places like Cleveland or smaller markets, there's usually people helping the players, like telling the media what kind of questions they can ask and kind of helping guide. So it's not getting hot takes from the players that in New York and Boston, mm-hmm. it's just a frenzy every time the door is open. So there's Plus, just also, no barrier. You know, like, like if ESPN is going to talk about baseball, it's going to talk about one of what six teams at this point. And I can't even think of who the other two would be. So, like, it's Boston, New York, Los Angeles. That's like it. Well, the 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 Astros right now because they just won a World Series, and then I don't know the Cubs. I guess so. That's five. But yeah, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith has got a hot take about someone. On like, they they have a they probably have to devote a segment every every day during the summer to baseball. So they're gonna hot take about something. So yeah, it's it's gonna be why so and so is slumping because he hasn't had a hit in two games or how he's overpaid now or how he didn't hustle quite hard enough. And so he shouldn't get $300 million, even though he's one of the best players in baseball. Did you also see that uh, Trevor Bauer, like thanked Manny Machado for going to the NL? Yes. That, that was, was funny. Cause I guess they're friends. Yeah, I that. oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's good. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I've been just waiting to get to these questions this week. Cause we got good ones. Woo! Um, so we did get some good ones. <laughs> so every Monday we ask on Twitter and Facebook for questions to send us in. We'll answer on the podcast. This week, we got some really interesting ones that required research and fun thinking. 
some you of us spring training. You do work for this podcast? <laughs> How dare you, first of all. Um, I am upset. So the first one from at Nick Jaskusitz. Very good, man. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. If you hear this, please just let me know pronounce your name when you ask another question. I try. It's Mary, did you see it? Nick? Jaskusitz. I can't read. We've been over this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, anyway, man. He asked my favorite question, I think. Which random, aka not a superstar Hall of Famer, former Indians players would make a perfect addition to the 2019 team? And I asked him just to just to make it a little more um, distinct. Just no All Stars. So nobody that's been on an All Star team. I was excited for you, Mayor, for a second because I thought you'd be this chance to talk about Ellis Burks, but he's been an All Star. Ah, oh, I forgot so. about Ellis Burks. Damn it! He's been an All Star, like... so it doesn't count. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So do you have any ideas? Did you look up anybody just to see? Who yeah, might... no, I have. I have the only right answer. Who's that? Oscar Gamble. What? Oscar Gamble. Yeah, he played for that? three years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, over a three-year period between the ages of twenty-three and twenty-five, he hit two seventy-four, three fifty-two, four sixty-three, good for a one thirty-one OPS plus. Uh, Average eighteen home runs in in one hundred and twenty-three games. Oh wow! Has he been an all-star? Uh, never was an all-star. He, he got MVP votes in nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, he was 29th in the MVP voting because he uh, posted a 974 OPS with the White Sox hitting 31 home runs. Um, had a lot of success with the Yankees, posted a 141 OPS plus with them over 540 games in seven years. Had an amazing afro, <laughs> and I believe he is a progenitor of the quote, they think it don't be like it is, but it do. <laughs> well, just screw everything I looked up then, because that's clearly the right answer. <laughs> Yeah, I remember him as a Yankee with the Afro. I never even remembered that he was an Indian. Mm-hmm. But he was pretty yeah, good on the Indians. <laughs> yeah, he like, was. Yeah, he was a solid player. Yeah. Yeah. So the ones There's, I had. There, the what? I have to say, I just want to say too, there is a certain hell you enter into when you start researching <laughs> the mid 70s <laughs> Indians. There is some garbage out there. Yeah, once I hit they the were, 80s, I was just sort of like Googling just to ooh, find other stuff. No, well, I was doing it and I realized I have play index, so I was just like, oh, right, I'll just do this. That was easy. <laughs> oh, that was probably a better idea. I was going through the baseball reference page and like going back and then mm-hmm. looking at the outfielders and third baseman. That's all I focused on. I didn't look at pitchers because I'm not going to add a pitcher. Um, but mine was – so Joe Charbonneau is kind of an easy one to stick out. If you can get him just for his rookie sure, year. but yeah. I mean, yeah. And I guess for all these, we have to assume – because like we've talked about before, if you took, just took Oscar Gamble and put him in today's game, he probably wouldn't do very good. So we just have to assume like all these things translate if they got the right conditioning, yeah, no, I mean, the yeah, technology, you, all that stuff. Well, I figure, yeah, uh, th- th- things will be better. He don't, he won't get a haircut. Things continue to be like they are, even though people think that they are. So <laughs> they do be that way. So yeah, <laughs> is he really the one that came up with that quote? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I thought that was just a meme <laughs> with that one kid. No, no, that that's is, great. <laughs> that's an Oscar Gamble quote. Um, and there's 2004 Casey Blake. That's a decent one. Mm-hmm. Never an all star. And then the one I was really, I thought I really found something, but he was an all-star once is Brett Butler. Um, I was more surprised he was an all-star only once. Um, he's like one of the best Dodgers leadoff men of all time, but he played with the Indians in 1987. He had a 295, 399 slash, 425. He could steal a bunch of bases. Um, if he wasn't an all-star, that would have been a good one, I think. And then kind of an outside-the-box one, maybe. I don't know. Franklin Gutierrez in 2008. Never an all-star. Really, really good center fielder defensively. Kind of can't hit. Basically, maybe Oscar Mercado can be him, just without the weird stomach issues. Um, he um, was really good for the Indians one year, or for the Mariners one year. He still wasn't an all-star. There was like a six-win player, but he wasn't an all-star. 
So maybe him and his last year with the Indians um, could help the outfield quite a bit. But man, you really, you just found Oscar Gamble and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all you need. A 24-year-old Oscar Gamble, 291, 363, 469. I mean. Now, did he have the hair back then? Because I'm going to knock yeah. him off a little bit if he didn't. I don't know. That's a very good question. That's, that's part I'm of the package. so because that was before he went over to the, the classy Yankees and probably had to get a haircut when he played for them. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was before Steinbrenner ran the place, so we could have a mu- no, no Steinbrenner owned the Yankees then. Wait, why do I um, own, only imagine him with a fro then? But I don't. Yeah, he definitely had it on the Yankees because it came out the side of his. Yeah, he had it with the Indians yeah. too. All right, he's in. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, he's the one. So there you go. Well, That's the, the right answer to that question. The, the, since nineteen, what did I do? What was my searching? Uh, since nineteen sixty four, the highest OPS by a player to never get an All Star game in a single season. Guess who it was. So highest single season, never an all-star uh, Indian. Oh, Indian? Since yeah. 1964. So they couldn't be Admittedly, on an all-star team on any team? Ever. Ever. And they uh, played at least 250 plate appearances. I have no idea. That's how I termed it. It's Ryan Rayburn. Oh, that's right. That won his every In other 2013, year 2013, he had a 151 OPS uh, plus. Yeah, he, uh, oh, he was yeah. super good once or twice. <laughs> Well, you know, he just never, as long as he didn't play against uh, lefties or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or in the outfield, Jesus Christ. Or the outfield. Just, just, just or don't play, yeah, don't play him against righties. That's all. <laughs> and you know, the Jeff Sullivan's, who, by the way, now works for the Rays, but his profile picture on Twitter is still um, <laughs> Ryan Rayburn spiking yep. a ball in the outfield. <laughs> yep, which is great. Classy time. Great time. <laughs> Duke Sims was a, is a pretty good pick. Uh, Catcher, first baseman, outfielder had a stretch there where he had a one eighteen OPS plus with the uh, Indians. It was during the year of the, during the year of the pitcher. Actually, he hit two forty nine, three sixty six, three ninety nine, which is equivalent to what basically Francisco Lindor did this year because <laughs> he had a one thirty three OPS plus. So yeah, yeah. So you got it's a nice follow Crazy up times. to Oscar Gamble, I think. But I think Oscar's still the, the clear winner there. Oh, definitely. The um, hair. The, the hair. I mean, that's at least, that adds like a win every year. And nice. also the numbers. Just He was really, really good for a little while there, yeah. yeah. Um, at for a long time. Dreaming Baseball, he wants to know, if every MLB franchise had to take a year off once every 30 years and 2019 was the Indians' year not to play, which MLB team would you root for and why? I mean, it's basically, which other team would you root for if not the Indians? <laughs> that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's the Padres right now because I'm really, I know it, it, it'd be, It'd be nice to say like the Astros or Dodgers or somebody super good to win a World Series, but but that's basically just rooting for the Indians again, like a team that's going to get to the playoffs, and all you're just waiting for is those final few games that are yeah. a, there's a seven and eight chance it's going to be disappointing. And I'm really envious of the Padres right now because they're they're not good enough where they're a lock for the playoffs. There's still a bunch of interesting pieces to talk about. You have Manny Machado to follow now. You have so many prospects coming up, so it's going to be fun. Just just cherish it, Padres fans. This is like the Indians in 2016, or maybe like a year before. I don't know. Yeah, but. this is 2015 Yankees or, or Indians, rather, where you're you're seeing whispers of Francisco right. Lindor and stuff like that. And you're like, ooh, this is going to be good soon. The pitching <laughs> is just starting to click, and then you just saw a, an amazing, like, your year off after what's his name won the site, his first Cy Young. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's my guy. Like, you, you see, like, Trevor Bauer have these dazzling starts that collapse towards the end. He's just figuring it out. You're learning more and more neat stuff about him. Before you learn too many things about him, um, and and you can yeah. still surprise people. That's the biggest thing. Like the Indians aren't going to surprise anybody yes. unless they win the World Series. No. But if you're the Padres, you no. can shock the hell out of some people by getting into the playoffs, which is really fun. I think. Yeah. Um, but just having it be an automatic thing, 
That's why I wouldn't want like any other playoff team because it's basically just rooting for the Indians again, which I love rooting for the Indians and I want them to win. And regular season is still fun for the most part, but but being one of those underdog teams again, just for a year. Which, by the way, I don't want to be the Padres fan forever because <laughs> I don't think it's going to last forever for them. I'd much rather stick to the Indians and watch the winning teams for more years after. But just maybe just one year of of going back in time to the 2015 Indians, which is basically the equivalent of the Padres. You know, I have to say, too, it is cool that the Padres actually, I mean, I know the White Sox are trying to do the same same thing, but, you know, Ver, Justin Verlander came out with that, saying how if you're trying to rebuild, signing a guy like Machado or Harper to a 10-year deal is a pretty good method of rebuilding because he'll be there and be the anchor of your rebuild. You know, I mean, it's like with the Braves and Freddie Freeman. They already had the MVP candidate. Now they just have to put the pieces around him. It's, there's not as much pressure on the prospects to flourish. So I think it is neat that that, that it worked out that way rather than going to being the guy that pushes a team over the edge, like the uh, like he would be if he'd gone to say the Phillies. Just being the guy who will be the cornerstone on which it's all built, which is obviously what uh, Hosmer was supposed to be, and before that, what Myers was supposed <laughs> to be. Hosmer was supposed to be that. Okay, Merritt. Well, he you don't give some of the whatever <laughs> okay, to be <be-trash>. trash. <laughs> there was hope there that his leadership and also hopefully stopped oh, in the ball I, straight you know down. What? I take my answer back. They have Eric Cosmer. No, I don't want to root for them. <laughs> you already <laughs> said it. It's recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's and I mean in two years you're, he's going to be in his prime. So I mean you got eight years of prime Manny Machado. But I guess the drawback to that is if the rebuild doesn't work, <laughs> then it really hamstrings him for the next attempt. That's all right. Then you just have the early 2000s Rangers, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Everybody loves that team. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anybody, or is yours the, the Padres and Eric Hosmer, too? No. Um, I think... I don't know. I, I'm kind of split three ways here. And two of them are obviously just because of proximity. Because I'm right near the Orioles, and I'm right near the Nationals. And the Orioles are neat because, I don't know, they're at the very beginning of that rebuild. And... I you know bad baseball is bad, but sometimes it's fun to see a little glimmer of hope when someone when you see a guy who might be a piece turned into something. But I think they're a year away from me actually caring about what they're doing. Um, then there's the Nationals who are like right down the road from me, and I know you said you know it sucks to just root for a team that's just like kind of going to be like the Indians basically. But nobody actually cares about the Nationals, at least no one in this town. And like, there's just kind of this, this assumption that it's kind of all over because they're going to lose Bryce Harper or something. But a team's still so talented. Um, they still have Anthony Rendon. Their whole outfield is really cool. They have Trey Turner. Uh, they have what's his name? The the young kid from uh, Juan Soto. Well, they have Juan Soto. They got Young Gomes, obviously. They have met, and then their pitching staff is really stupid. Still, like it's really a good pitching staff. So they've got um, Corbin. So they have Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin to go with whoever else. Sean Doolittle is just a cool guy, and he's very good at his job. So that's a good choice. And then my third, which is going to be the White Sox, because I've always liked the White Sox. First of all, gross. Second of all. I know. <laughs> the, the Nationals are a good one. It's always surprised me. Like I think it's always going to be, a, looking back in history, that it's amazing that team didn't win anything. Well, and like, that's the thing. We talk so about them as... But we talk about them as though they are a past tense thing. But, like, they got younger at catcher. Well, I mean, when we do they, look back, yeah. Right. Well, but, but like, yes, Scherzer is, is going to be 34 this year, but he's going to be still very good. Stras- if Strasburg could stay healthy for a whole year, 
then you're talking about something. They got Corbin and their and their bullpen's finally coming together. Like it's just they were really unlucky last year. I think yeah, they were they were ten ten games eight games worse than their Pythagorean went, uh, one loss per, uh, percentage. So like they were supposed to be ninety and seventy two last year. They're eighty two and eighty, and, and everyone got hurt too. So that's the thing they still have like Rendon is one of the best players in this position. Juan Soto has the has the ability to be one of the best players in baseball. Um, if they can get Harper back, then forget about it. But if they're healthy and they can do it, I, I think I, like they, they're still a World Series contender. I think it's just they, their division. That's part of it too. Their division is going to be really competitive. Like every single game is just going to be so hard fought all year. Like the worst team in that at well, outside the Marlins, the worst team in that division is the Mets, and the Mets are a pretty good team. So I, I would say probably the Nats, just for you know, just I mean, it'd be easy for me to see games, but also it's just it's a that's a neat good team with a lot of fun players and personalities. Yeah, and a lot of competition around it too. That's another yeah. fun part of it. Like yeah. if if the rest of the AL Central was good, then watching the Indians would be even more fun in the regular season. But knowing that they're just going to stomp everybody on the way is a little. A little disheartening, but um, oh, and, and that's oh, and that's why I said the the White Sox too, is because I feel like they're kind of they're kind of like the Padres minus the Machado thing. And again, they have always had a I've always had a special place in my heart because they were so cheap to watch when I was living there. So, but they do have a bunch of Machado's friends, so I mean that counts for something, right? That's yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, <laughs> he, when he comes to town, they can have a fun time, so it's okay. Yeah. Um. So, friend of the show at Joel Hammond. He asked, are you surprised at all, after all of that, that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still got the $300 million? I mean, to be fair, unless Joel is giving us some some deep insider knowledge here, Harper technically hasn't gotten $3 million, but he's going to get $3 million. Like, Manny Machado got $300 million. There's no way he signs without getting it, no matter how long it takes. Um, I would say, yeah, I'm a little surprised that, that they're going to get it. Um, I thought we were to the point where teams are going to realize that you don't need a three hundred dollar, three hundred million dollar player to win a World Series. Because look, we we're just talking about the Nationals; they're still <clears throat> a really good team who could probably win a World Series, and they didn't need to pay Bryce Harper thirty million dollars a year to do it. Um, I mean, as far as like building a team, you could probably reinvest that three hundred million other places and make a really good team out of it. And as far as fairness for players, I don't think any one player really needs three hundred million dollars, but there's probably 300 players who deserve a million dollars more at least so i don't know i thought we were kind of past the the point where it made sense for both sides to to want 300 but it's clearly not they're going to set records and then it's going to be really hard for the players to strike in a few years to get sympathy on their side which they they probably deserve it because every cent they don't have shouldn't be going to the owners they should be getting as much as they can but it's going to be harder to get public favor for it so i'm surprised for a lot of reasons that that both players got 300 million but mostly just because i feel like I thought front offices were were to the point where they wouldn't. There's, I don't believe it's collusion that like everybody's saying, let's just be cheap so we don't have to pay the players. I think it's really everybody's coming to the same conclusions through analytics that you don't need this one huge player. And I don't think Bryce Harper's should be worth more than Manny Machado. He was probably going to get more than him. Um, Manny Machado, I think, is the better overall baseball player. So I'm, but I guess it only takes one team, which in this case was the Padres, to blow everything up. I mean, it sounds like the White Sox thought they were going to win by only having, what was it, like 250 guaranteed. Um, but it just, just takes one Padres to sweep in and jack up the price and they win and get the money or get the player. So I'm sure somebody's going to do that and bend in the Bryce Harper sweepstakes eventually. It sounds like the Phillies will in a couple days. Um, but, Mary, are you surprised that the two yeah, no, no, no. Well, he are, Harper at least already had a $300 million deal on the table from the Nationals. Did he? 
Yeah, that's, that's what they were. That's what I've heard on the radio down here a lot. Like they, that's what he that that was the baseline. That's the baseline to get Bryce Harper. Where did that and come from, though? That's my thing with all these rumors, especially with this one. It feels like more than before. Like all the rumors have been directly fed from Scott Boris or somebody. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, this is what I heard both in the morning and afternoon shows. So I don't yeah. know. I, I'm assuming they have some sort of connection as well, but. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. From what I understand, he's been like the the number they were wanting four hundred. So that's what they were talking about on the radio today. So you know, obviously, you know as much as I do. But I'm, again, I'm not surprised at all. Maybe, I thought the the so I thought I heard the White Sox did have a, a a deal rivaling that of the Padres, and then of course you have the Phillies who have the money to spend, and they and they can they read the tea leaves at the. Braves are already better than them, and I mean, if the goal is to win a championship, and their prospects are already all there, then they're pretty much stuck having to spend the money on the free agent market. So, yeah, I think the. the I mean, oh, go ahead. I, I I disagree with you that the I, I I don't think we're past the age of the 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 gigantic deal because what we're a year or so removed from a a, a pitcher approaching thirty getting three hundred and fifty million dollars. So, uh. The, there's always going to be rich teams. Somehow, Aaron Hicks has got $70 million. I mean, I think it's a good deal for the Yankees, but I never saw that coming uh, in, a, in a million years, so I don't know. Um, the, the money's always going to be there for the top-end guys. Again, it's always it's, it's just all the low and the middle end. The middle, the middle, like, the fact that guys like Keiko aren't signed, you know, that, that those are the real head-scratchers, and the, those are the real worry things, you know. Those are the ones that are going to actually cause a strike, so. No, I'm not, I'm not really that surprised that they got the money. Yeah, that's fair. Harper's really good and really young <laughs> also. He's like, I don't know. Like his year this year was the third best on the, yeah, third, third, third best by a hair by OPS plus on the, on, on, on his team. And, um, not by Wizard replacement, of course. He was not good there, but you know, defense is a bitch. Yeah, I mean, it's not like looking at him compared to Machado. Machado's had way more consistently five, six win seasons. Bryce Harper had that monster season a couple years ago, and then it's a lot of pretty good seasons. <laughs> like, he hasn't been yeah. the superstar $70 billion player every single year of his career, like Mike right. Trout or, I mean, even closer right. to Manny Machado, I guess. But I think the, just the I potential mean, of so much is Bryce Harper that he's yeah, going to be entering his this prime. This past year was a weird head scratcher, wasn't it? It's, yeah. I'm, I, I, I am surprised his wins by replacement that low, but I guess his defense really was that bad. I know they were playing him in center a bunch, um, so that could have had something to do with it. And just the the defense, like everyone was so hurt, so his defense was really dragging it down. I think that's a bit of an outlier more than anything because that's he's never had more than what a negative five, def, uh, negative half uh, defensive uh, win. Actually, that negative point nine in twenty sixteen, but he was hurt all that year too. Uh. So I don't know. I I, I think there's a bit of an outlier. I, I I think he'll continue to be a five to five to eight win guy for whoever signs him for him for the next eight years or something like that. Like that that monster season was crazy, but I think he's close. I think he's considerably closer to that as a player than he is uh, the player he was this year. Oh yeah, I think that's fair it's for just, sure. Or even like two I think, years I mean, ago. Or three years ago, right. he had a, a bad year. Is, yeah, exactly. Is my life all blending together, or was last year the one where the Cubs were walking him a bunch and frustrated him, and then other teams started doing it too? Yes. Was that? Okay. <laughs> no, wait. That was 2000. 
What year was that? Was that 2016? <laughs> Am I that far behind in my... <laughs> no, it can't okay. be 2016. Because he didn't walk a no, lot I gotta in 2017. Go game logs. Let's see. At Cubs. <laughs> uh, 3-1. Yes, okay, that was 2016. you got to be kidding me. Oh, my me. God, really? They walked him six times in one game? That yes. was not that long ago. Where he was hitting 265. Yeah, you had a... Oh, God, damn, that was that year. Was it 2016? Was Am I losing my damn mind? <laughs> that seems like that it was this year. Years, did that happen two years in a row? <laughs> Maybe, look. But you know what I'm talking about, right? There was the Cubs that walked him a ton. Yeah, that yeah. Well, him they off. walked him. Well, well, in 2016, in a, in a four game series, they walked him. How many times they walked him? They walked him a bunch this year once in September, but it was earlier than uh, that. I remember three, four. They walked him 13 times in four games. He walked every single at bat against the Marlins in September <laughs> this year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so maybe that was. Yeah, over a four-game set, they, they got swept. He went one for four with 13 walks. That was in 2016. A, yeah. Merritt, did yeah, I time yeah. jump? Am I? Did I like find a wormhole in accident and I just was teleported here? Because I feel like that I just don't happened. know, man. That, I, feel like, I feel like I was just reading about that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? I don't know. I think we've just entered a different dimension where Bryce Harper... Does Bryce Harper exist in this dimension? Are we? Is he? Is he? Is he a person? <laughs> His longest hitting streak is what? Nineteen games in twenty seventeen. He had a really weird year this year too, where, where he just wasn't hitting at all, and in the second half of the season, he just started hitting a ton of singles. Yeah, it was very interesting. I was very impressed by that. I could almost you could almost feel it happening. <laughs> I right, mean, we'll end on a very important, um, topical, timely question here. At Claymo one he asks, compare this team to the team in 1920. <laughs> That's the question, mm-hmm. which I like. That's a neat question. Um, 1920, which I always forget. That's the other year the Indians won the World Series. I always think of 1948 because that's the last one, and that's when, gosh dang it, the Indians haven't won since 1948. I always forget they won in 1920 <laughs> with Joe Sewell coming off the bench. <laughs> hey, man, flags fly forever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Until you forget about them. That was a monster team, almost a 100-win team. Um, the outfield alone, Charlie Jamison, 108 OPS plus, Elmer Smith, 136 OPS plus, Tris Speaker, of course, Hall of Famer, 172 OPS plus. But the bench was insane just by itself. Like I said, Joe Sewell came off the bench. Les Newmacher had a 28, 128 OPS plus. Um, a guy named Pinch Thomas was the catcher. Baseball, very good. Yeah. Four-man yeah, rotation, four-man bullpen. That is <laughs> – I don't know if they did the opener then. Probably not. No, probably. Oh boy, that bullpen sure was trash. Woo, baby. <laughs> so maybe they are closer to the modern Indians than we think. Other than well, that's why it's such a good comparison. You know, the the rotation is just stacked up ass. It's amazing. Uh, Bagby and Kovaleski are perfect amalgams to that of Bauer and uh, and Kluber. And I'm Bradley Zimmer is an extra speaker, so it all works out. And there you go. And Bradley Zimmer is an extra. I, I, I believe you're wrong there because you know, <laughs> the power numbers aren't high. It's, it's uh, Tyler Naquin is an extra speaker. That's what it is. Tyler Naquin, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's pretty accurate. Because the strikeout yeah. totals, right? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, this, is a very, this is a very well-rounded team with uh, ability to produce from multiple different positions. And um, with strong leadership, so they so are like the current, like the current team. team. They uh, the same. Oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I mean, they won ninety-eight games, and what did FanGraphs project the Indians to win? Like ninety-six. So maybe they'll be the same. Who knows? Let's see. Which, by the way, Pakota projected like ninety wins, which is terrifying. 
So I'm very scared now. It is, yeah. It wasn't great. There was, or no, it's the other way around. Pakoda has like 95. Fangrass has, yeah, like Fangrass 90. Is like 90, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, in this case, Fangrass can cram it. <laughs> there was a glitch at one point where they had like 85 wins for the Indians and the Twins won the division. But I guess they fixed it. That was a scary couple hours of my life. But who knows? Oh, we actually, you missed one good question. What's that? How did you get so handsome? Ooh. <laughs> well, Merritt, it's just, it's just natural. You're just born. There's nothing to do. You just Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> no, no, it's natural. There's nothing. It's Maybelline. It's, it's not Maybelline. It's definitely Maybelline. I wanted Cameron Maybin to be bigger just so we could say that more often. Maybin, it's Maybelline. Maybelline. Oh, God. You're really bad. <laughs> You've never heard that with Cameron Maybin? No. That was no, the best. because I don't listen to, I listen to bad things. <laughs> Maybin, he's born with it. Maybin, it's oh, Maybelline. Man. On May 18th, 1920, the Yankee, or the Indians lost um, 11 to nothing to the, to the Yankees. <laughs> Let's not do that then for this team. Could we not? I live in New York. Could we not lose 11 nothing to the Yankees? Ooh, baby. Ping Bodie went two for four. <laughs> Ping Bodie. But there's a guy on the bench Hanna there named Pinch Thomas. Th- that is the best bench player name. What about Truck Hannah? You he said he's a catcher. <laughs> 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 oh, he was bad. He went two for three. Old names of the this best. This is right before the team got good. Hmm. Wally. Oh, Wally Pip. The famous Wally Pip. <laughs> We're done now. You're out, Pip. Anyway, Merritt, talk to you next week. Will it be more spring training? 